Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good afternoon, and thanks again for tuning in to the 2021 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Grant Hazinski. I'm a first-year MBA student at MIT Sloan, and I'm happy to introduce our panel today, Adapting on the Fly, the Future of Ticketing. Our panelists today are Stevie Gray, Vice President of Ticketing Operations for the Golden State Warriors, Clay Luter, Executive Vice President and Co-Head of Sports at Ticketmaster, and Michael Markovich. Vice President of Business Development for the NFL. Our panel today is moderated by Kristen Bernard, Executive Vice President of Sports Operations at Madison Square Garden. The panel will run for about 30 minutes and we'll leave in another additional 10 minutes at the end for Q&A. Please tweet at us using the hashtag ticketing analytics for questions and discussion. And with that, Kristen, I will throw it over to you. Thank you, Grant. Um... Just have to correct Grant, the former executive vice president of MSG Sports. Um, I'm now out on my own and more to come on that, more exciting things. But uh, thank you, Grant, and uh, welcome everybody. We have an awesome panel today. Just wanted to give you a little bit more background on this illustrious group, starting with the one and only Stevie Gray. Stevie has been with the Warriors for uh, 19 seasons which means that she's been with them before they were cool, Stevie. And she's also the highest ranking BIPOC woman in any box office in the industry. Trendsetter all around, Stevie. Stevie, we talked about doing two things as we're introduced. I wanted to have actual walk-up music for everybody, but we were having technical problems apparently yesterday. So that got nixed. Stevie, if you had walk-up music, what would it be? As, do you want me to just play my own? I'm kidding. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, my walk-up music would be, uh, it's by India Irie. And it's Stevie Wonderful. So befitting. If of you got to stand for yourself, of, you got to. Of course, of course it would be. And then uh, we also decided that we were going to like express ourselves today. So what are you wearing? So I'm wearing the red carpet wear. I am wearing Be Great Today, signed the universe. Uh, and it's by a BIPOC t-shirt designer, Mess in a Bottle, Kalia uh, Wright. And I'm really excited. It's one of my favorite very shirts. Cool. Very, very, very cool. I love it. Clay, the industry vet, veteran uh, of all of us, which means maybe you're the oldest, Clay, which makes me excited. Probably, um, probably. You know, for over 30 years, that's a lot. That's a long time. You know, you, you're, you're a lead with Ticketmaster run business operations uh, for Ticketmaster with the NFL, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, College Athletics, the PGA Tour, just about everybody. I don't, I don't think we've worked together, which I'm kind of disappointed about uh, to this date. But Next three years. Maybe, 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 maybe in the future. Um, but Clay, same two questions for you. Walk-up music and what are you wearing? Walk-up music is uh, by The Offspring. It's Defy You. Actually, used to play in a men's softball league that actually gave us the ability to have walk-up songs. So that was my walk-up song back, back in the If you actually re listen to the lyrics now, they're pretty apropos. It's kind of the part of the anthem for what we've been dealing with for the last 13 months. Of You can knock us down, but we're going to get back up again. We're still alive, and we're, we're, we're here to fight and continue on. So Love it. I'm in there. I'm right in there with you. And, and finally, Mr. Markovich. Um, I think it's a shirt, though. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Your shirt. Your shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Always wearing my, my UCF Knight. So a, a proud UCF Knight in Orlando. Again, my long, long career, we, my wife and I left Orlando in 1990, and I always promised I would get her home. And it took 28 years, but we came back a couple of years ago, back to Orlando. So it's for the first time I got to be truly a fan, and I'm a season ticket holder for football, basketball, and baseball. And uh, a lot of what we'll talk about today, I had to make some of those decisions of, do I go to games? Do I get my money back? Do I leave it with the, with the school? So got to live through all those experiences, which, which I think was interesting to kind of see that's both sides. Great. Side. The on the consumer side, that's yeah. that's really cool. And Clay, getting to know you, I'm sure you had a lot to make up for over those 28 years with your wife. So I'm glad that you could finally deliver and, and take her back home to Orlando. Uh, Mike, um, you know, I was about to tell you on mute. Uh, <laughs> you are, you've been with the NFL now for, for just over nine years. Uh, you work with everyone's All-American, Bobby Gallo, who we, we all near and dear to our hearts. Uh, you've, you lead strategy, operations, game day experience, uh, working really closely with the teams. Very relevant for today's converse, conversations that you run the uh, Open Ticketing Network uh, partnership, which, which we're going to talk more about. Um, so really happy to have you on this panel, Mike. And just can you just go with us? You know, your walk-up music. You're going to surprise me with this one because you wouldn't tell me uh, when we talked before and then what you're wearing today. Absolutely. Uh, my, my first concert and my, my favorite band still is Radiohead, but for a ticketing panel on a Friday, we got we to kind of divert from some of that somber music. But um, I would just go old school. I, I grew up in, in a family that watched NFC East on Sundays and the Fox lead in to the NFL broadcasts Ooh. that kind of grand you know, yeah. walking and opening, um, got, got the, the juices flowing. So it would certainly be back to that or else the ding for NFL draft. I got to plug draft because we have draft in a few weeks. One, one of those two. Um, and I, I'm on brand. I'm, I'm wearing my uniform in the spring. It's starting to get a little warmer. Mm-hmm. So I went polo, no t-shirt. And you know, this is, it's either sweater and collared shirt or it's polo in the, in the spring, in the summer. So that that's what we're going such with a data guy, Mike. You're such a data guy. <laughs> Gotta be buttoned um, up. That's it. Gotta be buttoned up. So we're gonna spend the next hour talking about ticketing. My how the world has changed over the past year. Uh, I had a joke about Sloan perhaps being a super spreader event last year, but they they corrected me that it wasn't. They have the data on that. Uh, but here we sit. The world has changed so much over the last year. And Stevie, we're gonna start with you, because uh, out of everybody in this panel, man, it came to you first. Uh, you know, you're in the throes of the season. Can you, can you, if you can take us back to the day that, that Rudy Gobert was, you know, tested positive for COVID life changed for all of us, but what happened that day? And then, you know, maybe that next week, you know, how crazy was it? Take us through it. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like Sophia from Golden Girls picture this, the year was 2020. Um, (laughs) So I worked remotely uh, the day everything stopped um, to take care of my mom duties. I mean, information was like changing by the minute, um, but, you know, kids trump everything, even when the world is falling apart. Right. So I did a school visit for my youngest in the morning. Uh, I took my oldest to an audition in the evening. Uh, and I heard the, the Gobert news uh, just as we were, were getting out of the car and my phone absolutely exploded. Uh, and it was just so, it was so hard to believe. Uh, I mean, we, we played Philly the Saturday before uh, and the Clippers the day before. And up to that point, 
we were doing all the right things, right? We were tracking the news, talking to officials, huddling with league office. Uh, there were wipes and sanitizer everywhere anyway. Uh, and, and I'm tracking refund requests and scan counts. Uh, so at that point, like less than a half a percent of fans had requested refunds for Philly uh, before that game. And we were down um, only 8% for our scan count. So we played to a packed arena the Saturday before. And, and while we could feel everything was shifting, uh, it, was an, it was an otherwise normal game. So for that Clippers game, uh, the day before, two and a half percent requested refunds, and we were down like 21 percent for our scan count. So, you know, things had shifted now. And so following a recommendation from the city, we were slated to be the first NBA team to, to play a fanless game. And we were trying to define, you know, essential workers even then and create the framework for, for what this is in a very short 48 hour window. And, and of course, you know the rest. Unbelievable. I do. I forgot about that. You, you're playing, playing to, to, to play in a fanless game. It just seems, seems like so long ago. Um, yeah. So much, so much happened and the Warriors were so much at the forefront. There's even more news coming with the Warriors, uh, I believe with, with fans. I saw an announcement on for April 23rd. We're coming back April 23rd. Love it. Love <laughs> it. What does that mean, Stevie? It means a lot. <laughs> Where do I begin? Uh, we're working on, you know, just being safe. We're working on all of our safety protocols. We're working on our testing protocols. Uh, and we're really excited. We have awesome. pre-sales and on-sales coming up next week. So it's great. We'll be playing in front of people. We're back. As it should be with Rick Welts announcing his retirement. He's got to have the fans around him. So, so very, very happy that you guys can have fans in the stands again. Mike, you know, while Stevie and others in the NBA and the NHL were dealing with all this in real time, and then you had others that, that had to deal with it in a short period of time, like the WNBA, the NWSL, Major League Baseball, you were kind of sitting back watching everybody eating popcorn. Uh, you just kind of had the luxury to watch what everybody else was doing. And then you also had the luxury of um, having having the platform that you do, the open distribution network with all of your secondary partners uh, on it, um, which based on our conversation ended up being an incredible tool for you and your 30, 32 teams. Uh, for those in the audience who aren't familiar with it, can you walk through exactly what that is uh, and how it works? And then can you take us through you know, how, it, how it helped you during, during this crisis? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, afforded the luxury of time, but then that just means you have more time to think about all the different scenarios and contingencies and, and all that. But um, certainly we're, we're in a, a position where we could observe and, and react, and, and that was certainly to our benefit. Um, yeah, the, the open network for ticketing, I mean, essentially the overarching philosophical goal is wherever a fan wants to buy a ticket, we want to make sure that that fan can do so in a verified, uh, secure and clean and transaction way. And then when they go to the stadium on game day, there, there's, there's no concern, anxiety, uh, and, and there's complete security in getting into the gate and getting your seat and, and having a great experience. Um, our, our open network encompasses three partners, obviously Clay, Ticketmaster, huge partner, and a platinum partner in the network. Uh, and they're the primary operator for 29 of our clubs. Uh, we have SeatGeek who operates uh, on the primary side for three clubs. And then on the secondary side, obviously Ticketmaster and Seeky can stub up all transact uh, resale tickets for us. And, you know, um, in a normal year, 
there's a lot of balancing going on, right? Different priorities, uh, different goals, uh, di very different companies uh, to, to say the least. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure Clay will hit on this at some point. Um, and, and so it's a balancing act. And of course there's the day-to-day the -day game day operations. When all this is going on, you kind of have to take a step back and, and you know, I'm not gonna say it was easy. There was a ton of conversation with, with Clay and his team and with other partners, but it, it makes you realize what do we want to focus on? And the most important thing to focus on with the benefit of looking at NBA, MLB, and some of the decisions that had to be made, we had to be fan first and fan focused. And we have to create a structure that with all the noise and the chaos and everything going on that is not predictable, that we're clean and clear, that the fan knows if I buy a ticket and something happens that I can't go to that game, whether it be limited capacity or the game's canceled or moved or whatever, I'll get my money back and I'm not put at harm and it's not disruptive to my day to day. And that's really was at the crux of it is, if your fan folks focused and clear and, and simplistic while keeping some of that flexibility, that, that's, that's really where we landed. And, you know, Clay can, can hit on it a bit. Um, we go back, back and forth and we have, we had a great relationship before we had to deal with the 2020 season, but it forces dialogue and it forces you to, to really all kind of be on the same boat and shipping and, and marching towards the same thing. And, and I think we benefited from that. And, and for the most part um, in a very disruptive last 12, 13 months was everyone will say on this panel we had a pretty clean and clear 2020 season, welcome 1.2 million fans through our gates. And, and certainly when I was sitting in March and April and thinking about this, I would have taken that in a second and you know, credit to, to many people to get there. But, um, but really it's keeping that focus and, and making sure the fans at the center of it. Totally, was there anything you know, that really, that you guys have been seeing, you know, there's so much rich data that you get through that platform, you're able to see, you know, all, what's happening across the country with all with all the teams. Did you, has have things changed? Have you noticed any change in buying patterns and who's buying, when they're buying, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Benefit of data, and, and with our friends at Kager, we're looking at who actually bought the ticket and then who actually went to the game and sat in the seat and. The behavior certainly changed, and no, no doubt in the last 12 months, but they're already changing again, right? And so the folks that actually were in our stadiums in 2020 are, are going to have different buying habits and proclivity to come to games in 2021. Um, and, and so we're, we're looking at all that, and we're just creating new segments of, of fans that we're going to have to talk to in, in different ways. And, and I think the, the key is, you know, first flexibility. We talked about that a bit is, is you're going to have to be flexible to whatever situation a consumer fan is in, and we all know that. And then I say, secondly, invariably the, the fan base that attends games is going to change. And, and, you know, we're gonna have to adapt to that. And I think lastly, with all the data you talk about and knowing what fans are doing leading up to the game at the game, what their, you know, movements are during the game with concessions mm -hmm. and whatnot, we need to be effectively digital handholding and concierge services with that data. We, we owe it to our fans to give them the most kind of customized experience we can to, to make sure that they understand what they're getting into it when they come to the game have a great experience and leave thinking, wow, that, that's the best, that's the best game day experience I've ever had. Um, and so, yeah, it, we're, we can't really tell you exactly the behaviors that change we're digging into it now, but I'll tell you that we, you know, with the data we have, we have to make uh, amount, amount of change and innovation so that we have a different uh, experience in 2021. Fascinating. And, and Clay, you're, you're such a big part of what the NFL has been doing and you, you have, you know, Ticketmaster has, partnerships all over the industry you're at the center of of all of it um, when you know shit hit the fan so to speak uh, we've talked a lot about relationships 
uh, when things go wrong, you know, one of two things can happen. You can get, you can, you can come closer together and lock arms or you can fray apart. And, you know, for Ticketmaster, having so many diverse relationships across the industry, can you just talk about what you guys learned about partnership uh, and what you're going to carry forward um, as a company? Yeah, great, great question. And, and to me, that's the one thing that came out of the last 13 months is just those partnerships, the level of trust, the transparency, and just working together to solve problems. And, it, and it's, it's kind of what Stevie Mike just said. It was this thing just hit and it was an immediate shutdown. So, you know, the first step was, you know, assessing how are you get, what's the status of all those events? What's, what do we have to do immediately? And to Mike's point, it was always from a fan first perspective of what do we need to do to best serve the fans? And then Mike also mentioned flexibility was the biggest part of it. Then it was, okay, let's come together as a stakeholders and let's start talking what, what are those immediate needs of communicating and taking care of the fans? And then what's that road to the recovery and starting to bring fans back? And again, we're, we're blessed to have such a wide variety of clients that, you know, for us, the first big one coming back was in June with SMI, our, our partner, you know, hosting a NASCAR race in Bristol with, with fans and starting to use some of our products to sit, you know, social distance seating, digital ticketing, and then we'll talk a little bit later. Starting to serve that, then it was looking at every other group. You know, Stevie had lived through it. You know, the NBA and NHL in season had to suspend the season, made the decision to go into bubbles to finish. You know, Major League Baseball and soccer were next up on the calendar and looking what do we do? They both kind of delayed the start of the season to try to get more mm -hmm. information. You know, baseball makes the decision to go in the local markets with no fans. Major League Soccer goes into a bubble for the first half of the season and then goes back into local markets with limited fans. So uh, to, to me, I think that that was one of the impressive pieces it, is everybody in the industry figured out what was best for their business and what was the best path for their business. And and then, you know, you, you hit it with, with Mike in the NFL. They had a little bit of the benefit of, of time to see how things were going to transpire and play out to, to start to make decisions. And, you know, it was interesting yesterday in the panel that Jonathan Kraft was on. And, you know, he talked about Rogers had a vision at the start of this. Of, we are going to play in 2020 and we're going to play a full season. And that is the mission. That's the goal. And we're all going to figure it out. And, you know, to his credit, Mike and Bobby and everybody at the NFL, they did it. They did it very successfully. And a lot of that was you know, regular conversations and a lot of transparency and working together and what ifs and how do we adjust to this? And it, to me, that was awesome. And I've, you know, said it to Mike a couple of times in our big recap calls. I, you know, with complete sincerity, can say that 2020 was the best year of our partnership with the NFL because it just we had to lean into this thing together and we had yeah. to roll up our sleeves and, and, and do what's right again, putting the fan first. How, how do we do this the right way to make sure it, it's safe, secure and, 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 you know, fans come back. And again, I think the NFL did an incredible job and, and to stand over in Tampa to watch the Super Bowl playoff. And it just, it, it was the crowning moment to, to what they accomplished. And then you fast forward to where we are now and start of 2021 major league baseball starts, you know, Every opening day had fans over the last 10 days, which is awesome, which is road to recovery. Stevie's going to have fans here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it, it, we're coming back. You know, th th there is 
we've been in this thing and, and the fight was to get to the other side and we're almost to the other side, but we couldn't have done it alone. It, it took those relationships, those partnerships and the industry to work together to, to, to solve the challenges. You know, it was really cool to, to watch and be a part of where you saw the industry kind of circle into like come together and like what's most important and the two most important things that I think everybody agreed on was the, the players and our fans um, and our staffs and how we treated each other, which was was also really awesome. And we talk about, you know, trust and, and trust between the sports industry and fans is more important than ever. I'm going to ask the question to all of you, and I'll start with Stevie. Uh, what do you think fans will expect from you to build on that trust, and how will you deliver on it? Really pressing on you right now, Stevie, right? And now no pressure, um, <laughs> especially since we're opening. Um, no, I, I think fans and, and our team members, right, because we have to, and, and thank you for mentioning that, I think it's important to put them on the same platform, because it's really important that they have a level of comfort uh, as we reopen and go into this. So we've been really cognizant of, um, of their opinions and how they feel, uh, because they, they are the ones that, that are going to be uh, reopening this, this facility and, and welcoming back fans, and they have to be comfortable as well. Uh, I think fans expect to be safe. I think that's going to be really important to them. Um, we set out um, four surveys over the past year to uh, our warriors and concert buyers. And it was with like two main objectives, which was around fan sentiment trends. Uh, and the second being the development of our reopening strategy. And uh, our key findings were the data that we discovered around COVID sentiment and precautions. And it was those insights that have been extremely helpful as we divine, designed and uh, refined our uh, overall reopening plan. So for example, fans in our market have been the most concerned about getting COVID compared to all other surveyed NBA markets. So, mm. you know, how do we address that concern, right? So uh, testing wasn't a widely accepted precaution when we first started asking about it, and now it is. So in November and December, with you know, which was the height of you know caseloads, only 44% said they they'd be very willing to attend if everyone was tested. Uh, and so you know, the most recent survey uh, said that you know that number has risen to 75%, which is great. So all of this information really helped us develop our overall testing plan. Uh, so we're the first uh, NBA team to offer a rapid COVID-19 PCR test mm. uh, free of charge and at scale. And you mentioned, you know, we just announced yesterday. So thank you for giving that hot take fresh off the press uh, that we're opening up, you know, to 35% of our building uh, on the 23rd. And it's, it's our goal to have the safest arena in North America. Um, and so our plans, you know, like a lot of others, you've heard about vaccine, uh, vaccine verification, um, you know, air, uh, mobile ticketing, contacts, contactless F&B, mass distancing, uh, but we're adding, and what's our differentiating factors are gonna be uh, the PCR tests, which, you know, it will be for everyone that enters the facility, staff and fans, uh, and purification and ventilation. So we are uh, one of two NBA arenas that can achieve 
four 100% outside air circulations per hour, which is significant. It's, it's like being outside. So wow. you know, we're, we're you know, gonna open the doors, but we're gonna do it safely and, and make sure that we're, we're gaining, regaining consumer trust you know, as we, we do this. And you know, the beautiful Chase Center, what a great building to do it in. And your backdrop is is of the Chase Center. So for anybody watching, it's just a, an absolutely stunning building. It's our um, West West Lobby. It's where the yes. box office, my home We're just is located. So great. <laughs> I love it. Um, Mike, how are you, what are you thinking, you know, from a fan, fan perspective, how are you thinking about that across your teams? And does anybody really stand out with, with how they're thinking about um, the fan experience? Yeah, but I think two things. So a lot of what Stevie said resonates and kind of kicking around my head. We're, we're definitely in a different part of our cycle, right? We have draft and then we'll mention that we'll release schedule. And then we've got a, a bit of a runway before we start welcoming fans back. But um, what's different, or I think what is owed to fans and in general, the, the public is just transparency and, and, and you know, flat out truths, right? I mean, before you talk about marketing and we know so much about individuals and the data we collect. And a lot of times you, you, you'll get bombarded with ads or you'll be, you know, follow folks around. I think just that marketing becomes more information. What do you expect on game day? What do you expect leading up to game day? I, I'm going to over communicate to you from the time you purchase a ticket to a week before you come, a couple of days before you come, and then the morning you wake up. And so that everyone has a very clear picture of uh, what to expect when they get to game day. Um, so it's, it's not left for their own kind of imagination. Um, and, you know, it, our, our hope is that we kind of shock and delight folks, and but they, they know what they're getting into. And I think that was key last year. I think it's gonna be even more key this year because we were distanced last year. And if we're gonna fill out stadiums, you want people to know that they're gonna feel comfortable. And as everything that Stevie said, all the precautions and thinking and planning that took place to make sure that once you get into our, our stadium, you'll, you'll be doing so safely. Um, so that, that's the first piece is it's just really a education and, and connectivity with your fan base and communication as opposed to traditional marketing, which we're used to doing, um, which, which I think is, is critically important. Um, you know, I, I think on the stadium side, the, the one thing we, we learned last year, and we're going to learn even more this year is one size doesn't fit all. Um, and so the adaptability of it all, um, whatever, whatever is required and, and whatever um, the state of play is for even in California for us might be different in Santa Clara than LA County. You know, there, there's going to be the need to kind of customize that experience by wherever we are in the United States. And, and we're ready for that. I mean, we dealt with that a little bit um, this past year. And, and we, you know, I think that not trying to, to force fit a one size fits all, it, it just won't work. Um, and I think Stevie made some really good points. You get into the, the really deep data that that fan may be thinking something completely different, even, you know, again, Northern and Southern California could be thinking about the world very, very differently. So you, you have to be in touch with that and you have to be in tune. And our job from now until, you know, we welcome fans back um, in, in the fall is going to be to make sure that every single club has what they need uh, and what is required in their local environment to, to, you know, welcome fans back and do it safely. And so I, I think for me, the transparency and giving people uh, exactly the education they need and the information they need and just being direct and honest and truthful there. And on the other side is, uh, you know, being uncomfortable with the uncomfortable, not knowing what you're going to have yeah. to get into, but being adaptable and, and, and getting it done at the end of the day. It's really been able to reinforce that mindset, Mike. You know, it just, it, it's been a reminder for, I think, everybody just to, to be open-minded and ready to pivot at all times. Um, 
Clay, just you know, shifting a bit, you know, because you you have the both the primary market and the secondary market um, on your platform. What have you seen in the secondary market? How has it been impacted from your perspective uh, with COVID and the pandemic? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's kind of two, two pieces. One was, again, the kind of the, the shutting down of, of everything and, and starting to you know, unravel and refund some, some transactions. The secondary market transactions, the fan-to-fan ones are much more difficult to to process than, than a primary sale, you know, relationship yep. with, with the warriors where we can work together. So, so that was a, a pretty big task, but, but something we worked through. And then on the backside, it's a, it's a lot of what Stevie and Mike were just talking about. Um, it's about putting the fan first and getting that, you know, educating them and giving them all that information. It's incredible. All these steps the warriors are going to take to, to make it safe for their fans. You know, our, our job as, as their partner in a marketplace is to make sure we're, we're highlighting that and, and sharing as much as we can on our marketplace and then giving that, that fan the ability to get to the Warriors information so they have all that to make that, that informed buying decision. It, you know, it, to me, what's awesome it starts with is all the data shows fans are so eager to come back. They're, they want to come back. They want to come enjoy the live. And it's up to us as the industry to make sure we're, we're, we're supporting that through the fan education, making them, you know, understand all, all, all the pieces that are being taken to make them safe. And, and then our role in that is, you know, supplementing some of the technology going digital was a big part of 2020. It'll be a big part of it going forward. Contactless entry, just eliminating as many touch points as, as you can has been a big part of it. So true. In, in, in Mike and CV, you guys are seeing the data. Are you seeing more activity on the secondary market with, you know, with, with lower capacity and, and really many markets, just season ticket holders, um, you know, going to games? What is that looking like? Yeah, hard, hard to make huge assumptions and, and conclusions off of limited capacity, but demand was there. I mean, Clay mentioned it, you know. Um, what inventory was available, we, we saw activity and then uh, you know, the pent up demand, the folks that wanted to go to stadiums and felt safe going to go into stadiums would pay a premium, you know, and, and we saw some of that, um, you know, culminating through the regular season as comfort grew and folks knew uh, what to expect. And, you know, the world adapted a bit leading into our playoffs and then culminating in Super Bowl. We, we saw the demand there, you know, some tweaks along the way. I, I hope I never have to mention a pod or pod integrity in my <laughs> life again. Uh, now I've, I've just done it on a panel with a ton of audience. And so then maybe it's the last time I do it, but, um, Things like that, you know, uh, you know, take for granted that you'd sell out a, a strip of six seats and, well, someone may only be comfortable going with one other individual. So pods of twos and fours and just kind of understanding that from a manifest perspective. But, um, you know, I, I do think that the secondary market was there, vibrant and, and alive. And, you know, it, it just it feels commonplace now because at least speaking for the NFL, we've really spent a lot of time saying come to our secondary partners as verified networks. It's a trusted places to go and purchase tickets. And um for those that wanted to go and where there was that snap and demand, um, you know, we, we saw a lot of activity and I, I think that's going to really continue and continue to wrap up because a uh, ramp up because, um, you know, what Clay said, I, I think folks are eager and there's some really good signs that we're progressing down that path. Sure. Any, anything to add that you've seen Stevie? Yeah, just, I mean, you know, 
we're, we're, we're not on sale yet. I mean, so mm -hmm. I'll have more intel next week and, and kind of where it's trending. But I think, you know, based on event cancellation experiences during this time, I think fans are, are understanding the value of our verified ticket marketplace. I mean, over the past few years, we've invested um, a lot of time educating our fans that we are the verified resale platform. Um, and while we don't have, you know, exact numbers, we believe we've captured about 80% of the resale market, which, you know, is significant. And I, I expect to see the number continue to grow. And, and our message is simply to, to protect our fans against fraud and have the system resources to provide adequate, you know, ticket resolution and pod integrity. And we can only successfully do that within our ecosystem. Keeping track, that's two, two pod references. <laughs> nice job, guys. Great job. Well done. Well done. So before we get to the Q&A, just want to do some little rapid fire with this crew. Really interesting crew here. We're going to start. We're going to go back to, to Stevie. Stevie, what brand do you trust more coming out of COVID? Besides Clorox? <laughs> Great answer. Anybody no. have a better one? No, no, no. no, no. I think Clay, I think he winked at me. It's Ticketmaster. I mean, we were Love in the it. trenches together. Love we it. were rescheduling and canceling events, unwinding transactions. Uh, they just continue to prove themselves as great partners. So it's Ticketmaster. Mike? Uh, you've already kind of highlighted Bobby Gallo, the All-American. So uh, I, I don't know if I can use that. But, um, you know, NFL Ticketmaster uh, was going to be mine because I, I feel like, you know, accomplishment again through the season. And then on the personal side, Amazon Prime, who shows up at my door every other day for things for my kids. So, so uh, totally those two have delivered. <laughs> Clay? There's a bad joke in there about like Cottonelle or, or Charmin, but we won't go there. Um <laughs> To, to me, the brand, it's kind of what I said before, it, it's been this whole industry. It, it really was impressive how everyone just rallied together to, to figure this thing out and get, get us to the other side of it. And I talked, I mentioned to you guys earlier, you know, Rob King from ESPN yesterday on one of the panels just said, you know, from the very beginning, there was a simple choice and it was choose, choose optimism. And, and to me, that's what this industry did. We, we optimistically said, we're going to figure this out. Pods, seating pods, just social distance seating, all those things that we figured out, drive-in concerts, live streaming. This industry figured, figured out how to maximize what they could through a very dark, challenging time. And it's just, it's gonna make us better on the backside. I think there's gonna be a trust from the fans and, and others to say, you know what? The Warriors have my back, the NFL have my back. I, yes. I, I, I'm, I get it. And totally agree. And I'm headed to my first uh, baseball game tonight, the Cleveland baseball team. Uh, going to go see them. So my, my next question is, what's the first concession item that you're going to buy at a game? Mike, give it to us. I mean, I'm too excited to eat. Maybe just a cold beer because I've actually had a live event. Does that count? That works. <laughs> Stevie's coming up for you. I'm going to do impossible meat lumpia. It is glory. Ooh, Ooh that sounds amazing. Clay? <laughs> well, remember, I live in Florida, so some folks here don't claim that there's been a global pandemic. So I've actually been able to attend Orlando Magic games, UCF basketball games, UCF baseball games, UCF tennis matches. So I'm with Mike. A cold beer and a hot dog at any sporting event can't be beat. 
Great. So we're going to go into fan, to, to the questions from the audience um, now. I think this is a great one. There are often times where ticketing demand exceeds supply that makes the price hard to justify for casual fans. Do organizations worry uh, about that? And are there initiatives that you have seen that lower prices to broaden the fan base that may, might pay off in the long term? Really interesting question, especially considering um, the, the revenue hits that everybody's taking, which is that okay, that ticket pricing, especially in lower capacity, how are we thinking about that uh, for casual fans, especially, you know, coming off of the pandemic where in theory, um, you know, people might've been hitting the pocketbooks. Start with Mike, that's, that's a tough one for you. Yeah, um, my head went to season ticket members, right? Where you, you wanna balance, um, you know, price and, and engagement and, and all that. And you, you want your season ticket members to feel like they're getting the most value. So I might, twist my response a little bit and just say, I think we need to load in more value, right? I mean, it's not maybe necessarily dropping prices and um, trying to get folks in the door. I think those folks that are casual or thinking about, hey, I don't know if I really want to attend games anymore, um, load up the experience and value for them and make it just much better than what um, they, they perceive maybe is, hey, it's not worth paying for. Um, so that, that would by me be my B as response is, um, you know, not necessarily play around with price, but really drive in a better experience so that they feel like they're getting full value. Totally agree. And, and Stevie, I have a question for you. Um, is it more important from a team perspective, so from the Warriors perspective, how are you guys approaching it to welcome back as many fans as safely as possible or to open up the most revenue generating seating areas such as premium seating and hospitality? So how did you think about that when you guys were thinking about your capacity constraints? Yeah, no, it's to open safely at the end of the day. I, I think anything in a, in a, a distanced or restricted manifest is not revenue generating. I think it's really just about regaining consumer, consumer confidence and really getting people comfortable with the idea of being back in venue, um, in, engaging in fan experience um, and, and prepping for, you know, what's to come for the fall. So you know, it's, we're not, we're not out here trying to, to make money. We're, we're really trying to just get people back in the seats and, and make the, the, the players comfortable with the fact that people are back in seats as well. So it'll be great. Awesome. Um, well, do you have to jump on that? Cause I think what is interesting yeah. is, you know, one of the panels yesterday, Dana White from the UFC was on and it, it, it's a little bit of both with Mike and, and Stevie both talked about that. Obviously their, their gate revenue was, you know, drastically impacted in 2020, but they found other ways to kind of create that value that Mike talked about by, you know, finding ways to still have events and still do those by TV and build that relationship that Steve was talking about that, yeah, you can't come in and you can't sit in a seat, but we can still engage you. We can still, you can still love our product and we'll get back to that normal situation, but we're not going to lose 12 months of, of that fan engagement and that opportunity to, to, to continue to grow the business. So it, again, it's a, everybody got creative to figure out how to do this. And, and you're certainly not making money at 15, 20% capacity, but there's just other values to, to, to doing that. It's great that you're watching everybody just kind of take a long-term view, which is great to see out of the, out of the industry in general. Um, this question, I think, for, for Clay would be interesting because um, I'm sure you're talking about this and it, to some extent at Ticketmaster, and that's what's the role of NFT in ticketing? 
NFT. You knew that was, it was coming. It, it, it's it. A, there was a good panel earlier that Cuban and some others were on so early on to really kind of be definitive of, of this is what NFT is going to mean. You, you can step back and if you look at digital ticketing today, it's given you a lot of those components that come with NFT. You're getting chain of custody. Um, you're, you're getting security. You're eliminating fraud. All those pieces come with that. So I guess I would ask, what are you trying to solve with NFT for ticketing? Is one. And then I think you look at a whole other look at it more what what are the new opportunities what are the unlocks and opportunities with with nft to add to mike's point add greater value access to to limited you know runs of things or, or exclusive content that that you couldn't get to me that that's that's the interesting part with it right now it's really again what, what are you trying to solve from a ticking standpoint that's not already solved with digital but to me, it's what are the other opportunities for artists and players and, and teams to unlock with that new technology? Totally. I mean, it, should, it could just be adding to the fan experience and creating some excitement around ticketing that that hasn't necessarily been there before. It's kind of cool. Although, you know, it's always been that that collectible for the tickets, for the for the paper tickets that people have enjoyed. This is this is, is a really interesting to think about uh, tickets as a collectible in a different way digitally uh, using NFT is really interesting. Um, so, you know, as, as we're thinking about um, uh, the, the whole experience, there's another question. Uh, do you think that teams will continue to offer virtual ticket streaming in the stadium seats, uh, maybe as a halftime show interaction? Um, Stevie, what are your thoughts there? I, I think so. I think you'll continue to see digital engagement um, just continue to grow and, and reimagine game experiences as a whole, right? Um, for us, it's the dub hub um, right now, which I think that'll continue to grow as a whole. If, if you haven't seen it, it's so cool. Um, it's been, you know, just a really creative op opportunity for, for our fans to, to deepen, you know, connections with the team. Uh, especially uh, there's a virtual fan board that's right in the Warriors uh, player tunnel. And so fans get an up close look at the team's pregame huddle, uh, run out, players can, you know, high five the fans and hear them run by. Uh, and it's a really unique access point that, that fans haven't had before uh, and have been excited about. So, you know, for us, it was, you know, 64% of our fans had shown interest in participating and, and that number is only going to grow and increase, um, especially with, you know, our experience, I'd say, you know, has allowed us to, to think about how we scale, how do we monetize and really how do we integrate this with the global fan. And I think, you know, all sports venues are starting to think more about that global mm -hmm. fan and what it means to, to talk to people that are not in your backyard. So true, um, and what a great experience! Such creativity coming out of your team. Um, I'm sure led by Sean Bennett. Sean, <laughs> uh, he's a genius. I love him. Um, Clay, this this question I think is most appropriate for you. Um, when events are canceled, whether it's due to COVID or other reasons, are there ever vast differences between local, federal, and corporate policies for refunds or reschedules? If so, how are those approached? Woof. 
<laughs> no, it's time. Talk about your life, Clay. Like, do you want to you want to take a shot before you answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that 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 was the first big hurdle and mountain we had to climb when when the shutdown happened. Of just fans that you know the, again the positive sign are most fans have kept their tickets and are patiently waiting for you know that that show to be rescheduled and go see their favorite artists. But the ones we did refund, it was to try to do it as quickly as possible. So a lot of it is, you know, working with our partners to get money back, to process refunds, et cetera. It, it, it was, again, it, it was the biggest first hurdle we had to challenge. And in hindsight, I think we did a great job with it because it was so cumbersome. But it was all about taking care of the fans and getting, getting money back to the fans that wanted the money back as quickly as we could and some happened faster than others but there there was a team that was focused 24 7 on, on processing through all of that and getting getting to the finish line and so many different things to be paying attention to in terms of local federal state laws yeah. like I'm, I'm sure incredibly complicated but um really really uh, admirable to, to watch how you and your team worked um throughout throughout the process and and kudos to everybody involved Hey, Chris, um, just to jump quickly yep. on that one, and just to add, I mean, it, it was refreshing, and Clay talked to us, and Stevie has as well, is it, it's not about the PL. It's not about trying to save cash and, and keep cash, at least during this period of time. So it was really the, the policies that we ended up with, it was plenty of dialogue, but it, they were really uh, kind of extensive and, and fan friendly and, and beyond you know, anything that the industry had, had done in the past. So you didn't almost have to worry about all the state and local of, hey, you have to at least do this. The, the floor was way beyond that. And then on top of that, you know, clubs as well were putting in even further, you know, policies where they saw fit to make it even more accommodating. I mean, I, I think that that's the key point is people weren't as focused, uh, not to say that they, they were acting this way in every single transaction before, but forget about the PL for now, just do what's right by the fan and let's uniformly do things so it's clear that th this is going to be the status quo and at, at worst you're going to be here which is a pretty good place to be and at best you're going to be even further along it's a great way to think about it mike um we are coming to the end of our uh friday afternoon panel i really want to thank grant for organizing us uh of course our great panelists uh the great stevie mike and clay or kurt as i like to call him um, <laughs> I am, I am wearing a t-shirt for the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, uh, which is where I am right now. Um, I want to give a plug for my old friend, Scott O'Neill, who taught us to be where our feet are, which is his new book coming out. Please feel free to pre-order it and enjoy your weekend. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank Talk. you. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.